0: back to Relatably Weird. I'm Tiff. And I'm Kate. And we have got a couple of stories for you today. Should get interesting. I think so. So you guys know Kate and I, we both pick a topic. We don't tell each other about the topic except for just a very brief title just to make sure that we don't pick the same thing. Because we will every time. And I would like to state that this week, it's this week, I think, is a prime example of why we do that. Um, because Kate and I both have ended up with topics that are very similar in some aspects. I honestly don't even remember the topic that you gave me. So this is going to be a total surprise for me. (laughs) Well, do you want to go ahead and give your teaser? So my teaser is just, um, the intro to a joke. I'm actually going to tell you a quick joke. Oh, oh, okay. Okay, here's the joke. Are you ready? I'm ready. A tattoo artist and a contortionist walk into a bar. End of joke. You don't get the punchline. There's line. no punchline? Not yet. No. Oh, you're going to leave me hanging. That's till the why end it's your... a tease. Ah, uh, jeez. Well, mine is short and sweet. I'm going to tell you about Lady Death. <gasps> Lady Death? oh yeah okay well do you want to go first because i need to know what this punchline is i i think i can definitely go first okay okay so tiff you know this um because you watched my kids but i am fresh off of a tattoo appointment like literally walked in the door (laughs) from her tattoo appointment and said all right let's go to the studio (laughs) And record. Actually, first I said, where's my A&D cream? Oh, yeah, this true. Yeah, <laughs> you did stop and get your A&D cream first. Yeah. so literally fresh off of a tattoo session, which is part of the reason why I picked this topic, because I had tattoos on my mind. And uh, I had to start with the joke, because there's not a lot to this story, but it is so interesting to me. Okay. So I just wanted to share the story of a really kick-ass lady who was breaking all kinds of social norms. Um, Obviously, this has to do with tattoos. Now, tattooing has been a controversial topic for a very long time. I mean, it still kind of is in some social settings. Absolutely, it is. But the history of tattooing dates back thousands of years. This is not something that is new. It's actually an ancient art form that spans across many cultures. So it's not just one culture, one people, one religion. Like, it's all over the place. And the oldest evidence of human tattoos is believed to be from about um, 3370 B.C. and 3100 B.C. Wow. So that's a long time ago. Yeah. Um, The evidence was found on the oldest mummy known to man man. His name was, I don't know if I'm going to say this right, Otzi? Otzi? Otzi, O-T-Z-I. Oh. So, Otzi's body, um, when it was found and they examined it, actually had 61 tattoos on various parts of the body. And it was believed that these tattoos were made with some kind of soot or fireplace ash, using like a sharp tool to poke it into the skin. But 60 one tattoos i mean i don't know what i had in my mind what i was thinking but whenever i'm thinking of like tattoos during that time period because you know they they didn't have the tattoo guns they didn't have the ink Mm -hmm. like i'm thinking it would be a long tedious process I imagine them maybe having, like, one tattoo. So I was floored when you said 60-something tattoos. I was, too. I did not. And I had heard stories of, like, mummies being found with these tattoos. Mm-hmm. But I did not expect 61. No. Um, that was just an excessive amount for that time that I was picturing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, tattooing has been used for many, you know, some people, it is for art. It's been used in religious practices Mm -hmm. and cultural, like, rites of passage. Like, there's just all these things that tattooing has been used for. So it has this really long, um, rich history, but it's been predominantly a male profession. Yes. Typically. Now, you know, speaking through history, I don't really know for sure, but as history has always shown us... There's always a woman who refuses to accept societal limits and pushes the possibilities for all women, (laughs) because there's always one that starts it. I love it. I know. Like, we love these women. We do. So this is when I get to introduce you to the lady of our story. Her name is Maude Wagner. Okay, first off, I love the name Maude. Like, it's so old-fashioned, and it just, like, adds to her badassery, right? Yes. So I want to note that she is America's first noted female tattoo artist. Now I'm not gonna sit here and say for sure that she was hundred percent the first one, but she's the first known the first recognized. Yes. Yeah. Um so just keep that in mind. Um obviously, like I've said, with such a long rich history, I'm sure there are at some point were women who have done these tattoos, but we're just talking about first noted in America. Right. That's what we're focusing on. So, Maude was actually a Kansas girl. Nice. Born in 1877. Ooh. Now, aside from this, I couldn't find anything on her childhood. I, You've got her parents' names, when she was born, and everything else just kind of drops off the radar. Hmm. And it picks back up in her adult career. So, there's just missing information there and i'm assuming she never wrote like a biography or anything not that i found right um i i don't know i did some digging and i just could not find what i was looking for Hmm. so it picks up in her adult career she was a circus performer how she got there i have no idea but that's where she ended up and specifically she was an aerialist and a contortionist Oh, my gosh. Hence part of the joke. Right. 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 So she's already really cool. I would say she's already interesting. Like, exactly. you could stop there and yeah. she would be super interesting. Right. Like, especially for that time, too. Yeah. Um, so she would travel with the circus. And eventually this led her to the St. Louis World's Fair in the early 1900s, which Ooh. was like a huge ordeal. Yeah, it was. So you've got all these people there. And she is performing with the circus, and while she's there, naturally, she meets a man. And his name is Gus Wagner. Gus. Gus. All I can see is the little mouse from Cinderella. I know. That's all I could think, too. <laughs> so, Gus is a well-known tattooist, uh-huh. and he was named the Tattooed Globetrotter because he also traveled around. He was tattooed. He would do tattoos. So, yeah. he He sounds interesting, too. Also a very interesting person. And what was so unique about Gus is that he was one of the very few artists left that continued with the traditional stick and poke method Ugh. instead of using the electric tattoo machine, which had actually been patented in 1891. I didn't realize that the the tattoo gun went that far back. I did not either. I don't know exactly what it... I didn't dive down that rabbit hole because I was right. running out of time, but... Um, the patent for, like, I think it had obviously been kind of played with before that, but the actual patent came out in 1891. So it had been around for a while by the time Maud met Gus. Yeah. But he chose to stick with your traditional stick and poke method. Um, and he was well known for his art, like just a phenomenal artist. And that's what he was known for. Now this part of the story gets a little murky. Some sources say that, Gus offered Maud a tattoo lesson if she would go on a date with him. <laughs> Bribing her for right. a date. Bribing her for a okay. date. Because obviously she was interested in the tattoos. And he said, well, hey, you come on a date, I'll give you a lesson. But in other sources that I found, they said she demanded lessons. Okay, I'm going to go with demanded lessons. In return for a date. Yeah. Uh, I feel because knowing how history has been covered up by... <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, I'm just going to say it. It's been spun towards the male favor. And, yeah. You know, I, I have a feeling that already knowing what I know about Maud, I feel exactly. like she would demand... Exactly. Like, after reading about her, I was like, I feel like she would be the one to be like, you better teach. Like, I want to know. You want to go on a date with me? You're going to have to teach me how to do tattoos. Right? So, again, murky, choose whichever one you want. Right. But she began to learn the art of tattooing. And not just other people. She learned to tattoo her own body as well. Well, I mean, isn't that kind of a common thing with tattoo artists? Like, they practice on themselves. Yes. Because I... You go through your apprenticeship, you do the fake skins or whatever they have you practice on, and you have to tattoo yourself before you can tattoo anybody else. Wow. Which a good friend of mine just, um, she just did her tattoo on herself, and now she's tattooed her first person. Wow. So it is a process, and it's been interesting to watch her go through that, and I'm very excited to get a tattoo from her, too. Oh, cool. So we're going to be doing that soon. Anyways, I digress. So mods tattooing. She's tattooing herself. And as her tattoo collection grew, she actually became a bit of a attraction herself for the circus. Hmm. Like, because tattoos were not for saying, women. Right. I would say they were mostly for, like, men and sailors and not women. Yeah. So it, it was just not done. But here you've got this woman who is a contortionist. She's an aerialist. And she's covered in ink. Like, it's a very fascinating combination. So, according to inked tattoos and body art around the world, Maude's tattoos were, quote, typical of the period and consisted of patriotic tattoos, tattoos of monkey, I'm sorry, monkeys, butterflies, lions, horses, snakes, trees, and women. Maud also huh. reportedly had her own name tattooed on her left arm tattooed women were a regular occurrence in circus sideshows a barely clad woman with her body permanently altered through ink was somewhat of a spectacle unquote interesting it's a very little interesting snippet there and i get it like she number one she's tattooed and she's got a little bit of everything yeah so it's pretty interesting so, she's become a circus attraction. Her and Gus, you know, as the story would go, they fall in love. Of course they do. And they get married. Oh, good. Hence her last name. Um, And they eventually moved out of the circus scene. You know, they did it for a while. And then they started moving inland mm-hmm. into more of, like, the vaudeville scene. Like, the vaudeville mm-hmm. houses. Right. Um, So, they kind of changed their... Venue and as they're moving around, they're coming more inland, mm-hmm. and so as they're doing that, they they're actually credited for bringing tattoo artistry further into the country because huh. it was from what I could read, it really originated around the coastal towns, right? Which makes a lot of sense because that's those are your more populated areas at the time, and yeah, and kind of your more. Uh, I don't even know what the word is. I'm a little open, progressive, progressive. Yeah. So like, and two, you've got this coming from other cultures, mm-hmm. you know. So it makes sense. But anyways, they're credited in several sources that I found for bringing that artistry inland by traveling to these vaudeville houses. Huh. So another interesting fact: um, Maude and Gus, deeply in love, had a daughter. Oh, her name was Lavetta. That's cute. It is very cute. And obviously, they had to teach her their craft. Passing it down. However, there was a catch. Oh, no. Now, this was surprising. Maude refused to let Gus tattoo their daughter.
1: Uh, what? Did I, you find a reason?
0: No. I don't... I That part is not clear, but I found it hilarious because you think about, like... Like, the things that we experienced as kids, like, we kind of do the opposite. Like, I do the opposite with Abby, in a way. Right. You kind of have these generational changes Uh between parent and kid. Right. So, I don't, I don't know, but I, I just found it interesting that a woman who was so intrigued and passionate about tattooing was like, no, you can't tattoo our daughter. Even though she is going to be a tattoo artist. Yeah, that's what I can't wrap my head around. So, allegedly, according to some sources, because Lavetta could not be tattooed by her father, she decided she wasn't going to be tattooed by anybody. She gonna do it herself? No. Oh. She didn't even do it herself. This made her one of the very few artists who never had a tattoo. Wow. Yes. <laughs> Which I just found, like... Because we'll upload a picture of Maude later, and she is just covered. Beautiful woman, covered in tattoos, beautiful tattoos, and her daughter is the complete opposite. Well, and I mean, typically, I mean, even today, you think of tattoo artists, they have tattoos. Like, it's kind of a hand-in-hand, like, oh, I really like tattoos, let me be a tattoo artist. Yeah. Like, it, it just naturally... Goes hand in yeah. hand. But she was like, no, if dad's not tattooing me, nobody's tattooing me. Like, we're done. So, just an interesting side note. Interesting. From mother interesting. to daughter. But she did continue tattooing. Um, and Maude lived a very long life. She died in 1961. Oh, wow. After a battle with cancer. Oh. Now, her husband Gus had passed 20 years prior to this. So, she was living with Lavetta. And so she died in her daughter's home. But, you know, her daughter had kind of carried on her legacy of tattooing for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so here's their legacy. Maud and Gus were the most renowned stick-and-poke artists of their generation. Um, you know, it's, obviously she, being the first woman tattooer or tattooist, however you want to say it, she faced a lot of challenges. I'm sure. You know, it was not a normal thing. She was definitely looked at different by society and I'm sure that created a lot of roadblocks for her um, but it was also kind of sweet that she had Gus right there with her supporting her passion right yeah. So I just you know even though she went through all of this like it did not stop her from earning her place in history mm-hmm. doing what she was passionate about So this story might not have been totally weird but maybe it's a little bit encouraging maybe a little bit of an uplift. <laughs> I mean, it's a little weird because, you know, especially for that time period, women were not tattoo artists. So that would have been considered weird. Right. You can't see my air quotes, but weird in air quotes. Well, and even, you know, early, she started in the early 1900s. In the 20s, women were starting to get cosmetic tattoos. Yes. But because it was so frowned upon, they really kept it a, like they did it in secret they didn't mm-hmm. talk about it like it was very hush hush yeah and that was just a few years after she started tattooing mm. and it's remained a controversial topic but I also find it funny she was Maud was alive when our mom was alive right because mom was born in 55 50, 54 54 sorry dad was 55 yeah so like she it just that is just so cool to me. It's a connection. Which, granted, our mom hated tattoos and hated. Hated tattoos. Absolutely hated that I had tattoos. And however, every time I get one, I'm like, yeah, she, she's probably mad at me. <laughs> however, she was very quick to tell people that she had four tattoos because she got her eyeliner done. The not-so-secret cosmetic tattoos. Yeah, the not-so-secret cosmetic tattoos. We love to give her grief about it. Yeah, and we gave her grief whenever she was alive. Like, it, it was a known thing. We're like, Mom. Yeah. But, Mom, you you yourself claim to have tattoos. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So, there's your, your uplifting, encouraging story to go against the social norms and do what you're passionate about and make your place in history, etc. I feel like I could go out and make my place in history now. I know, right? Like, I, this is a rally cry. I'm ready to... Let's go. My arm hurts, but let's go. Let's go. All right, battle cries aside, I'm going to jump right into my story about Lady Death. See, I'm so curious how these are, like, tied together. Well, okay, so here at Relatively Weird, we are all about strong women, intelligent women, breaking the social norms. Like... Yes. Like, as you're going through your story, I'm like, wow, our stories are right on the same topic of badass women breaking social norms. Heck yes. Um, Because let me tell you, this is one amazing story. I was floored by this lady. So, her name, and I have listened to the pronunciation of this a million times, (laughs) Ludmila. Oh. Oh. Pav-li- Pavlichenko. Pav Pavlichenko. I'm going to call her Mila. I was going to say, I know you've got a nickname in yeah. there somewhere. I'm calling her Mila okay. for the rest of this. Mila, got it. Um, Because it's very, it's a very difficult for for my tongue to wrap around, okay? Fair enough. So, Mila was born in 1916 in Bela... Be- her, she, in the Ukraine, she was born in the oh. Ukraine. Um, and growing up, she considered herself a tomboy and she enjoyed a good competition. Oh, now, yes. you and I were both kind of like a good mix of tomboy and girly girl, yes, but we both also kind of could hold our own against the boys. Oh, yeah, well, she did too. <laughs> and, and like a good little feminist, she was particularly ambitious against the boys. I <laughs> you love know, her already. You know that whole, I can do whatever you can do and maybe even do it a little bit better. Oh, yeah. That was her attitude. Get it, girl. Okay. Even at such a young age. Well, at the age of 14, her and her family relocated to Kiev, where she enrolled in a sharpshooter class and she was so good that she very quickly earned her voroshilov sharpshooter badge which apparently is basically it's like some civil certificate basically saying yeah this person is a sharpshooter dang girl like, bang bang <laughs> i wish you all had seen the finger guns <laughs> that i just got <laughs> it's like a cheesy pickup line bang bang but yeah so she earned her she earned her badge And she went on to work at a local arms plant, and she enrolled herself, and I found that interesting, I didn't do a deep dive on that, but I found the wording interesting, that she enrolled herself at Kiev University in 1937, where her intentions going in was to earn a degree to teach. Of course, those of us that have gone to college, a lot of times we go in with one intention, And we change our major like four or five times? different times. Yes, and we come out with something else. So her, she had intentions to teach, um, but regardless of what she was learning through her time there, she did keep up with her marksmanship skills by enrolling in courses at a sniper school. Oh, which yes, I didn't know girl. was a thing, <laughs> but apparently in the Ukraine, a sniper school was a thing. So in 1941, this was during her fourth year of study. So it would be like her senior year of university. She learned of Hitler's invasion of the Soviet Union. And at this time, she was about 24 years old. And upon hearing the news, she quickly booked her way to the Odessa recruiting office to enlist. Of course she did. Right? Ooh. So she gets down to this reg to to the recruiting office and the registrars at the recruiting office go, yeah, 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 okay, you can be a nurse. Because, you know, <laughs> that's women, what women did. That's what women did. They weren't allowed to they weren't allowed to be on the front lines or was frowned upon. <laughs> and, <laughs> Mila was determined to join the Soviet infantry. She basically was like, yeah, n- no, I'm gonna go fight. And she proved her skills. Um, she proved her skills by taking out two Romanian collaborators from a Soviet-defended hill. And clearly impressed by this, they immediately enrolled her into the Red Army's 25th Rifle division as a sniper. That's right, get it girl. She's like I mm, ain't gonna be no nurse not with these skills. <laughs> and so there were some women like it was it was kind of frowned upon, but there were some women that did fight. Mm. Um, in fact she was one of 2,000 female snipers to serve, but only one out of 500 who survived the war. Holy cow. Yeah. That's a drastic drop. Yes. Wow. And she fought on the front lines for about two and a half months during the siege of Odessa. Um, And during that time, she recorded 187 kills. Two and a half months, 187 kills. Dang. That's like... I don't know. A lot. (laughs) That's a lot. Um, And this earned her a promotion to senior sergeant. As it should have. Yeah. So then she goes on. um, For eight months, she fought in the siege of Sevastopol. I know I'm saying that wrong. Um, But she continued on in the siege. And it was such an intense battle um, that it relate or it resulted in a lot of casualties mm. like there was it was a terrible long drawn out battle um, but she managed to stay alive and her kill count in those eight months rose even higher So by May 1942 she had recorded 257 kills and that, and after that, she was promoted to a lieutenant. Ooh. Moving on up, girl. Mm-hmm. Dang. So, um, as her count was rising even higher, um, she was assigned more and more dangerous missions. So, kind of like, she's proven herself. Absolutely. You know, I'm not just some woman who picked up a gun willy-nilly. She's like, I'm out here knocking people off left and right, clearly. And... Um, some of these dangerous missions included counter snipering and engaging in duels with enemy snipers. Oh, gosh. I can't imagine. Like, Because whenever I think sniper, I think from a distance. Yes. You're removed, but you've got them in your sight and you can shoot. Yeah. Not dueling. Not Andrew Jackson style dueling. Right. <laughs> but apparently apparently that was part of some of her missions she ended up dueling with with the enemies and it's recorded that she won every single duel she fought including one that lasted three days three days for a duel yes how i don't know i couldn't find any more information on it that it just said that there was a duel that lasted for three days no, thank you. Mm-mm. I'm out. Hard after, pass. After like two minutes, I'd be like, "I'm good." I say a duel on its own, like, "Nah," but three days? Mm. Holy cow! Yeah. So, she had gone this whole time uninjured, still alive. But in June of 1942, Mila was wounded after shrapnel from a mortar round struck her in the face. Oh no. And she tried to just carry on. Like, yeah, no big deal. It's just a scratch. Just um, a flesh wound. But just a flesh wound. Um, but, yeah, she was seen as too valuable uh, of an asset that that they actually pulled her off of the front lines. Um, so, wow. that one, that she could heal. Yeah. Uh, and not risk getting <laughs> injured further. Yeah. Um, but through her time of fighting, she, in those just those few years, obtained 309 confirmed kills. Wow. Confirmed. Which makes me think, okay, were there others? Right. Um, but 309 kills over the course of just a couple of years. That's crazy. Is insane. Um, and this earned her the nickname... Lady Death. There it is, mm-hmm. and she was well known not just by the Soviets, you know, the army that she fought for, but she was even known by the Germans. Well, oh, I'm sure by name. Um, in fact, they oh. even tried to bribe her by sending messages over the radio. <laughs> you you'll love this. Oh no, saying Ludmila Pavlichenko, come over to us. We will give you plenty of chocolate and make you a German officer. Okay, well that's just cliché. Chocolate because, because all women can be jo- can be bribed with chocolate, right? No, I'm not saying she didn't like chocolate, but come on, right? Try a little harder. Like I thought that was so. I'm like, why chocolate? Like why not? I don't know, beer or money, money or something. Chocolate. <laughs> that better be some good chocolate. Right. Better be wrapped in gold. that Ferrero Rocher. <laughs> so, so here she is. She's, she's being bribed by the Germans to try to come over to their side. Of course, she's like, no. Well, eventually those bribes turned into threats. That tracks. One yes. message even stating, if we catch you, we will tear you into 309 pieces. Oh, my God. And scatter them to the winds. That's brutal. Right? It's intense. And when Ludmila heard this threat, she was actually pleased that the enemy accurately knew her record for kills. (laughs) That is... Like, no joke. She basically was like, oh, well, hey, at least they know what my record is. That's amazing. Yeah. I feel like we would have been friends with this lady. for sure. So when she fully recovered from her shrapnel wound to the face um instead of being sent back to the front lines she was given a new role propaganda oh so with this new, new role um, she did do some traveling um, trying to kind of rally some support for the Soviet army mm-hmm. well she arrived in Washington D.C. in 1942 at, naturally as a highly decorated soviet lieutenant um and this was to kind of rally the american support for the second front in europe um and fun fact uh mila was actually the first soviet citizen who was welcomed at the white house i'm sorry my brain's in a rabbit hole right now because you said propaganda, and I'm thinking, why have, like, I think Rosie the Riveter mm-hmm. was, like, the leading female propaganda piece mm-hmm. for World War II. Yeah. But I've never heard of the, that. Sorry. we'll, we'll kind of get into that, and okay. I think you'll, I think you'll understand why we have not heard of her okay. until okay. now. It was just fascinating, because I was like, I remember Rosie the Riveter, like, right nobody's business, but I don't remember Lady Death. Mm-hmm continue okay so she's at the white house and she meets and becomes lifelong friends with first lady eleanor roosevelt oh i love this even more <laughs> um and it was actually eleanor who invited mila to go on a tour of america to speak about her experience as a woman in combat yes because that was unheard of right. in america right um. So, she did. She would speak in front of thousands of Americans who gathered to see a battle-hardened woman in uniform. Well, I would, too. Right? But, the press belittled her achievements, and they really only seemed to care about, you know, what was she wearing Ugh. and her lack of makeup. Her uniform. She was wearing her government-issued uniform. Yeah. The skirt. And jacket. Ugh. No joke. Not even pants? No, she was Dang. wearing a skirt. And, in fact, the New York Times... This is how they... This is how much, like, they kind of just glossed over her achievements. They They dubbed her a girl sniper. I cannot roll my eyes hard enough right now. Right. And in interviews, she was asked questions about women wearing makeup on the front lines yeah because that not hey tell me about your kills tell me about your time i don't know in the field but who cares if you're wearing makeup or not or if certainly women not wear makeup. the enemy right although i mean hitler did hate red lipstick so true there's that true um and at one point she was even told that her skirt made her look fat Oh, those little <laughs> heifers were barking up the wrong tree. I mean, I'm sorry. If I'm standing in front of a woman who has killed 309 people, I'm not going to dare call her fat. No, no. No, no. I mean, I wouldn't do it, period. But. Especially not then. Right. <laughs> Here, have some chocolate. <laughs> Ugh the audacity just yeah, i know it's everywhere so i think this is why we haven't heard of her because the press did not take her seriously at the time that makes sense so i that's why i think we've never really heard of it because it's not glorified that that tracks mm-hmm. i can see yeah. why um but you know that that being kind of glossed over like that you think that that would kind of get her down or rile her up or whatever she didn't let their sexist questions or comments get to her she continued to travel around the the america and um rally support get it basically she's like i'm just gonna keep doing what i'm doing yes and (laughs) i love this woman in a speech that she gave in chicago She's quoted as saying, Gentlemen, I am 25 years old and I have killed 309 fascist occupants by now. Don't you think, gentlemen, that you have been hiding behind my back for too long? <gasps> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about a clapback. That just is. Perfection. And she's only 25 years old. I love this woman right she basically said you're hiding behind my skirts <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly it well okay all that aside Mila never did return to combat like it, she just didn't um, but she did go back to the Soviet Union and she did train other snipers until the war's end in 1945 um, and then After the war was over, she returned to the university and completed her studies at Kiev University. And you remember, she intended to be a teacher, but she became a historian instead. I I still love that. I love that. Yeah. Um, And sadly, uh, as with many soldiers, she suffered from many years of PTSD and and Mm. depression, which I can't imagine. Oh, absolutely not. Because the war's... That war was brutal I mean yes I just I can't I can't even wrap my head around it but um, she did live a, a long life um, she passed away on October 10th of 1974 so again ah the thought that you know she was alive on you know our parents or our grandparents were like yeah I don't know it's just an odd thing She's to so think about. Cool. And, and, I mean, literally she died just 10 years before I was born. Dang. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so she passed away in October 10th, 1974. And she is still remembered today, um, especially in the Soviet Union, even though we haven't heard about her in mm-hmm. America. She's still remembered as Lady Death, the most successful female stiper in history. That's just awesome. Right? So see what I was saying at the beginning, I feel like our topics, this is, this is why we have to at least tell each other yes a basic what we're talking about without going into detail because unprompted, we both ended up talking about two very badass women breaking social norms. I just love how this podcast just normally were weird or creepy or sad, but like, this was so motivational. Right? Like, what an uplift! <laughs> <laughs> I, I well, don't think I can go to bed now. Well, I mean, whenever we started this podcast, we, you know, we 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 chose Relatively weird because I mean, it's not all going to be spooky, creepy. Exactly. It's stuff that you know, like at this time, it was odd for a woman to be a sniper in the army to be highly decorated. For a woman to tattoo and have tattoos. Like, so, I mean, it would be kind of considered weird. Yeah. Based on the time and the culture. Absolutely. So, no, I think it totally fits in. But, yes, it was very empowering and uplifting. Well, I hope you all have been able to take something from this very uplifting episode. Um, do you have any last words for us, Tiff? Yeah. Um, If you haven't checked out our merch store, um, you can check that out by going to our uh, link tree in the bio. And you can get you a cool sweatshirt. You can get you some stickers. um, Yeah. Make sure you like and follow us on all the socials. Yes. Share it with your friends. Help us get the word out that we are here and we are relatably weird. Yes. Y'all have a good, good week. Bye. Bye.